welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada. I'm here with Dan Rudman. We're moving along in our series on manhood and womanhood. Uh, I think I counted this morning. I think we've actually recorded or uh, published like 10 episodes already on just this series in this series we did <laughs> Ten, yeah we're at 10 oh my. and oh this my. one right here will be like 11 or 12 something like that and yeah that's a that's a lot i didn't even i guess i didn't even realize i thought we we're at maybe like six or something but yeah we've had a lot we've had a lot to say about wow. this topic of manhood and womanhood and if you've been following along, we've been really doing a survey of the of the Bible on what the Bible says about the roles of man and woman. And we started in Genesis, and we said, hey, look, God designed humanity as male and female in the image of God. He, he, you know, he created both male and female in the image of God. He created man from the dust of the earth. He created woman from the rib of man. From man, for man, is his helper suitable for him, fit for him. And so there's this reality that the man has the authority, he has headship, he's the leader, he's the provider, he's the protector. Uh, the woman helps him and encourages him and serves him and is to submit to him. Uh, so that's the pattern that we see in, in, in Genesis. And we've we just went through the Bible. We've been going through the Bible. We went through the Old Testament and said, hey, look. Look at this pattern that that we see, or this design that we see in Genesis, and it's 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 continuing throughout the Old Testament. It's continuing through thousands of years of history, and then we go to the New Testament. Like, hey, look, look at look at the 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 Gospels. Look, Jesus chose twelve men uh, to be his disciples, and the uh, men are still the leaders, are still the heads. Uh, there's still this authority in man, and so we see this pattern continuing. And then we went into Acts in the early church, and now we've been going through the New Testament epistles, and we've been looking at the specific texts that that have explicit statements on the roles of uh, man and woman in the church and in the family. And so we're towards the end of that now. I mean, we're 10 episodes deep, so we're towards the end of that now. So we've already looked at 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 14, Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, Galatians 3.28, uh, 1 Timothy 2, uh, 1 Timothy 3 with the qualifications for an elder. And so that's where we've left off. We left off, the last episode we've left off, uh, we left off with uh, the qualifications for an elder or an overseer or a pastor. And so in in this book of 1 Timothy, and we're, we're going to start in the book of 1 Timothy, we're going to finish up now with 1 Timothy. So again, it's a little bit of a... Of a a review, uh, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, and Timothy is acting as uh, a pastor, elder, overseer of this church in Ephesus. And Ephesus right now is it has a lot of dysfunction, a lot of disorder, and there's this heresy, specifically this heresy with these false teachers uh, that are plaguing this church. And so Paul writes to Timothy to help him and give him what he needs to bring this church back to a good foundation in a good place. And part of that is is getting straight and correct the roles of men and women in the church. And so we looked at 1 Timothy 2 and we saw, hey, there's a prohibition here about the role of women. The Women cannot exercise authority and, and teach uh, men. 
They can't exercise authority in the church. They can't, and they can't teach doctrine to men. So there's a prohibition there with the role of, of woman in the church. But then we went to First uh, Timothy 3 and we saw, okay, now the role of teaching and exercising authority in the church is the role of men. And not just any man, but the, the man who is qualified. And so we went through the qualifications or the description. You could say it's a description of a godly man. And the man who is to lead the church is to be a godly man. He is to be an example he is to be the model for the rest of the congregations. And and we went through that description in 1 uh, uh, Timothy 3, uh, verses 1 through through 7. Saw some really interesting things. Um, but now where we're going is we're going to a passage in 1 Timothy chapter 5 on— y- you really could say it's the qualifications— for a widow or a widow being put on this list in this church and part of being put on this list is is getting financial support from the church part of it is being on this list is being in a sense qualified to be uh do ministry within the church as an older woman older woman uh and so we're going to look at those qualifications now so what's so interesting about this is that in first Timothy 3 with the qualifications for an elder, that really is a description of a godly man. So if you want to know what it looks like to be a godly man, read the, the description of the elder or the overseer, or the pastor, teacher type, the shepherd of the church. That is a description of a godly man. And all men, all Christian men should aspire, should desire to be like this, to be a man like that. And I won't read it, but you can go back and read it. Hopefully you listen to the episode, so hopefully you know exactly what we're talking about. But if not, just read, press pause on this podcast and just read, again, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, and you'll see this is a description of a godly man. And Paul, uh, Paul doesn't leave us without a description of a godly woman, though, and that's what's so fascinating. He actually gives us a description of a godly woman in which... All Christian women should aspire to be like this. And and the context of that description is actually in the context of this issue with widows and getting support within the church. So that's where we're going to be at. Um, but did you do you have anything to say on that? That's as introduction. We'll get into the text. But do you have anything as introduction to say, Dan? Anything on that at all? Um, you know, I, I didn't realize we'd done 10 of these now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I keep thinking when you ask me to do an introduction or add something, I'm like, I'm probably saying the same thing I've said in every one of them. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I need to go back and listen. That's to okay. No, oh, I need to go back and listen. But yeah, I think one of the things, because you did such a quick survey and it was, I mean, it's all you need to do for this podcast because we've so labored this for 10 episodes at what, an hour to two hours each. Yeah. So there's 15 to 20 hours of this stuff. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but I would just reiterate, you know, the fact that um, to build this whole case, as you said, a biblical theology, we're starting in the beginning of Scripture, working to the end of Scripture. We're looking at this pattern. It's a 4,000-year pattern. And I think the thing that's fascinating, again, that's continued to fascinate me, um, as I've done even study, you know, like I kind of know where we're going, but then you go back and, you know, as preach and persuade, we're, we're doing our due diligence to try to study these things. Yeah. In this case, as we talk about Paul, um, 
And Jesus, too. You said it earlier about Jesus, and, and he talked about you You jumped to him appointing 12 men. Uh, yeah. Not, it's not a jump, but here's what I would want to put in between all of that. It's really fascinating, whether Jesus or Paul, that they, they ground all of this in a creation theology, you could call it. Mm-hmm. Like, like they all, mm-hmm. they're always referring to Genesis. Mm-hmm. And I just find that fascinating because we spent a lot of time on hermeneutics and how you interpret things, and we started in Genesis. And you realize, like, again, it's this whole idea of a context of something building on something. I'm building on something. I'm building on something. And the thing starts with God's really there. God really spoke. Here's what he said. Let's build the case. Let's go step by step. And so so even, even now, as we get into, like, say, we're going to Paul. He's dealing with a specific that he's talking, saying to Timothy. It's not just standing out there by itself. It's like sort of what I'm thinking. Like, like it's built on an entire 4,000-year uh, history. It's built on an entire theology. It's built on a creation theology. And so, you know, when people try to take this and just set it aside by itself with all sorts of cultural issues, even current, you know, contemporary Western civilization, U.S. issues, you you can't start there. You have to go. Right. You have to start with the scriptures, and you have to work your way through, and you have to build the context, and you have to see this pattern. So yeah. So as you just said, we just got done going through these characteristics of uh, a godly man. Some yep. of some of those were just very similar to Old Testament patriarch patriarch period, where these were characteristics of a godly king. A God, the yeah. king was supposed to be. We could go there, and I mean, we labored that back in the day, back when we went through that. It's always mm-hmm. the same. Uh, appo- mm-hmm. Appointing deacons in um, in uh, Acts, same thing. These there, there was this men full of the spirit, uh, wise, had a yep. good reputation with those on the outside. People could look at their life and go, "Hey, that's a good dude," you know. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, dude, isn't that funny? That's a contemporary word, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that's what they said. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, um, uh, so now we're just, it's, it's just, you know, again, side by side, uh, you, you have, here's the godly man, and this godly mm-hmm. man can be a leader because he's a godly man, and here's the characteristics. And now we're talking about, really, you could say, uh, well, it's emphasizing widows here because there's an application for Timothy within Ephesus. But what yeah. he is describing here, to your point, is a godly woman. Yeah. This is what a godly, in fact, what we'll get to, but primarily even you could say an older godly woman, which means, yep. you know, a woman that's, you know, lived life and she's mature. Right. Uh, but even then, you know, age is a strange thing, right? Because like, yeah. Yeah. People, people, yep. die, people died a lot younger than the, they do now. And so yeah. for a woman to live to 60 years of age, which we see actually in some of this stuff, um, that's 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 a really old woman in that time. <laughs> yeah, that woman has wisdom. Yep, she has wisdom. She's mature, and this is what it looks like. So yep, that's yep, that's all I'd say. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, again, we could get as we get into this text. Uh, we'll be starting in chapter five, verse three. It's it'll be easy to get caught up in uh, wanting to talk ab- about this whole thing of widows and the needy and and financial support and all this stuff. So we're, we're going to try to, like, not get too caught up in that and focus more on the description of this godly woman yeah. that would be worthy of, of yeah. Yeah. 
being put on this list that Paul talks about here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because there's a whole nother, yeah, like the whole, you know, in our last podcast, we we got in a little bit to this whole, you know, one woman, man, remarriage, divorce, all that stuff. It's like, it's certainly a discussion that needs to be had or hope, hopefully we don't get too caught up in those other things that are contained within the text that you we could totally have a discussion on. But hopefully maybe a different day and try to focus more yeah. on these qualities of womanhood or femininity that that Paul is uh, expressing here. Yeah. So I'm going to start reading in verse 3. I'll read our text and uh, and then we can start to comment on it. So chapter 5, 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 3, honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give, their, give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care uh, for them. Let the church not be burdened, so that it may care for those who are truly Widows. Okay, so we'll stop there. So our our main our main chunk of, of verses that we're really going to be diving into is is starting in verse nine nine through uh, ten, um, and then really f- fourteen through um, fifteen. Really is kind of our main chunk here that we're going to be really looking at. But general general context. Okay, you have you have this church in Ephesus. Um, obviously, if you read your Bible at all, like you see this reoccurring theme of widows and orphans, really, and really widows and orphans are in a sense, the needy in a way, uh, they need to be provided for, um, and the way that society was structured, especially during this time, first century time, really, if a woman was widowed and she doesn't have a husband, there really was no way for her to make her own living or make her own money. Uh, it was it was very real in that sense. Um, so compared to today, you could say, well, there's there's systems, there's there's things in place in America that would that would allow a woman who's widowed to to continue to get money to live or she could work her own career or blah, 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 blah. That wasn't the case. Um, but the interesting thing, though, about this is that <laughs> we have to, like, besides of just 
putting it off as a cultural thing of like, well, this is only relevant in this culture because women were oppressed and they couldn't work. But this is this is a theme carried out throughout the Bible. This is Old Testament. There's there's specific laws in Exodus and Deuteronomy on on caring for widows and orphans, uh, and that is a, a theocracy. Like that, this is God's nation. He gives them this law, and so you, you can't just you can't just minimize this 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 widow thing to just a cultural thing of oh women were oppressed in that time, therefore this was an issue. But it's not an issue today. Um, but we have to, you know, the thing that you don't see in the Bible anywhere is this command to care for widowers, men who had lost their wife and were single and older. You actually never see that anywhere, ever, which is really interesting. It's just an observation to make. Like, hey, you actually never see anything about caring for the widower. And so I'm not going to get into this too much right now, but ask yourself the question— before you count this off as just cultural that there would be this issue of older women needing financial support or that they didn't have a way to provide for themselves, uh, just ask the, yourself the question, well, maybe this is the way it's supposed to be, though. That even in the nation of Israel, there still is this this reality that it should be like this, that, that an older woman who, who loses her husband should be provided for or cared for. And that's a good thing in a sense. Uh, obviously, when it's neglected, now you have an issue. Now you have a problem. And that's why Paul says, hey, here's a deal. An older woman, a widow, it's it's the primary role of her family to care for her. And if her family doesn't care for her, like he says, they're worse than an unbeliever. They've denied the faith and are worse than an unbeliever. They're acting like non-believers, And actually, they're acting worse than non-believers because non-believers actually, especially during this time, the first century, they actually, it was actually built into some laws like pagans actually realize that hey I need to care for my old my my old relatives my old parents like even pagans did that so that's why Paul says hey even the pagans understand that they need to care for their the elderly and their and their old family members especially the the widows so if a Christian who has the revealed word of God and has the spirit of God doesn't do this well man they're acting worse than an unbeliever it's like it's as though they've denied the faith so that's kind of just, again, some introductory commentary on this whole issue of widows and stuff. Um, so we'll kind of just, yeah, there, there, there's something I do want to bring up in verse 5. Uh, so you have this reality that there's, there's widows and then there's truly widows. And that's, that's not to say that these not truly widows weren't widows. No, they were actually widows. But he's talking about... Uh, the truly widows were the women that they they had no family that was that was providing for them. So there are some widows that where they had family that were doing as they were supposed to do and were providing for their needs. Great, wonderful. So don't give money to those women because their family is actually being responsible and taking care of them. But those who are truly widows uh, that have no family that cares for them, uh, those are the people that that you need to consider now. And um, Let's see here. Where am I at now? Okay, verse 5. She who is truly a widow, left alone. Okay, left alone. No family to take care of her. No relatives at all. Or relatives that are, are so horrible that they have they have decided not to take care of her. So she has no form of provision here. Has set her hope on God 
and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. So here we start to have a, a bit of this description now of this of this godly woman, woman, this godly woman uh, who is truly a widow. She has set her hope on God. She hopes in God. Her faith is in God, and she continues in supplications and prayers night and day. So she is a woman who has, in a sense, immersed herself in a life of prayer. And really, like, the original language, it really does kind of, it's like Paul says, you know, pray without ceasing. It really is this idea here of, like, continuous supplications and prayers night and day. She prays without ceasing. She's she's always in prayer. And then that's not to say, like, literally always never-endingly in prayer because that's impossible because you, there's other things you have to do. But nonetheless, her, her, her life is marked by a continuous spirit of prayer. That's a, very, that's a godly woman, a woman who's praying a lot. Um, but then he gives a contrary, but she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. So a woman who seeks to gratify her own desires, she is dead while she lives. And basically what that means is, hey, Though she's physically alive, she's spiritually dead. She's actually a non-believer. So, a mark of a non-believer is self-indulgence, living for self. So, let's jump down, down to verse 9 now. So now, let a widow who enrolled, if she's not less than 60, 60 years of age. Now, that, we can get caught up on that age. Um, it, during that time, 60 years old was thought to be the time... When, when your sexual desire uh, starts to wane significantly, and when you just, especially as a woman, are really unable to have children anymore, in a sense, and think of menopause and things like that. So it's it's not supposed to be so dogmatic in sixty years, but sixty years was generally thought of to be this kind of significant age where that that starts to take place. There's a transition here of. You're no longer at the age of, of bearing children. Um, so that's verse 9. Having been the wife of one husband. Now this is interesting. Having been the wife of one husband. Really, in the original language, it's, it's a, a, one, um, a one woman man. Or no, wait. wait now I'm going to get <laughs> a one man woman. <laughs> <laughs> a one man woman. So it's 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 almost the sorry, same. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Yeah, <laughs> in, a, in a in a crazy culture that we live in, where everybody has all of this confused. A one man woman. Okay, now you need yeah. to define that because yeah, well, that, yeah. I mean, we're doing this podcast off a day where literally our Congress voted, amen. And then the guy said, a woman. A woman. Oh, at, my At the end goodness. of the prayer, he wanted to be all-inclusive. As if, yeah. as if, so so when you say, I'm sorry, I probably didn't need to say all that. but No, this is good. When you say a one-man woman, why don't you just, just explain what it's meaning? Well, yeah, here's the interesting thing. Before He's I get into it, it's, it's the same, it's really the same phrase as what we saw in the qualifications for an overseer. What was the qualifications for an overseer? The husband of one wife. Literally in the Greek, a one woman man. Right. So at this point in the exegetical work we're doing here, yep. we're not getting in and having a huge discussion about divorce, remarriage, all of that. Though that right. that would 
be part of this discussion. Right. But it is, in this case, a man that is married to one woman and he's committed to that woman and that that that's his marriage that's yep. his life yep it's it's fidelity it's yeah, faithful there that's the word fidelity and so that's yep. what it's saying the woman was faithful to her husband right and so you have the you have the same thing here you have in the qualifications for an overseer the man's role a one woman man and the qualifications yeah. for a, 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 a true widow uh, a godly woman yeah. you have a one man woman yeah, so, I like the word reversed here. Fidelity is a great word. Yep. Yep. And yep. fidelity, yeah, it, it is. It's the technical term that most of the commentators use too. It's the f- yeah. fidelity. It's yeah. faithfulness. Yeah. When you're married, you're faithful to this one man. If yep. you're a woman, and if you're a man, you're faithful to this one woman. Um, I think I get. Did I make? Oh man, I'm getting. I, I think my words are getting all tongue tied. Hopefully, I. Hopefully, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> fidelity to your spouse <laughs> and there's only you only have one spouse <laughs> yeah. you're not married to 15 people you don't you're not polyamorous and polygamous and all the other weird words and things no. that are going on right and, now and it's one man and one woman i yep terribly have to say that but that's what it means yep okay. yep yeah. yeah this isn't this isn't gay mirage this isn't anything like that right yep so so that is a, again just like think of about how this is in a sense very very much uh, a mirror to the qualifications for an overseer, but yet in the woman form, qualification for a widow, here's again a description of a godly woman. Well, she was a woman that was faithful and had fidelity to her one husband yeah. when he was alive, because now she's obviously a widow. He died. So, um, so where was I again here? We got, uh, yeah, verse 9, having been the wife of one husband, verse 10, and having a reputation for good works, so she's she's somebody. She not only did good works, but she had a reputation for him. She, people knew that she was a woman that did good works. Now here is here is a description of of these good works that she may have done and would have done in her life uh, if she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. So. That's an that's an interesting thing. What's the first thing that Paul, you know, in this description of a godly woman, what was the first thing he says uh, of doing good works? Well, b- has brought up children, and that's not again. That's bring th- this this phrase brought up children. It, it's it's this nurturing. It's this taking care of. It's this raising of children and yeah, everything we, that goes into it. Obviously, we used that word before. Well, child, yeah. child child rearing. Or a child yeah, bear, yeah. bearing, right? It's like it enc- right. encompasses this whole reality of caring for her children in her home, right? Right, yeah. exactly. And so that's <laughs> it's just incredible. Like that is an that is a good work, and it's the first one he lists. Like that's a good work. Now, obviously, like there's some nuance that we did with the. Uh, you know the 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 husband of one wife in in the qualifications for an overseer. Remember, it's like, well, that doesn't mean that he uh, this this overseer has to be a married man because Paul himself was a single man, and there were some that have the gift of celibacy and have the gift of singleness. So it's it's not saying that a that a there's an older woman who isn't who can't isn't godly if she never had children, never was married. 
Um, cause she may be one of those rare women that did have the gift of celibacy and did have the gift of singleness, uh, and serve the Lord in that way. Uh, so it's not this again, completely black and white thing, but there is saying that the, it is saying the vast majority of women, vast majority, statistically vast majority are going to get married and have children and, and indeed should pursue that. Like that, that's, that's something that the vast majority of women are going to experience, and it's good for them to experience, and it's right to, to get married and be a mother and have children and to raise the children and rear the children mm. and nurture the children and bring up the children, as Paul says. That's good. And like we said in, in uh, two episodes ago, that's kind of her sphere that she operates in, this, the, the sphere that, that encompasses taking care of rearing, nurturing children, uh, because Paul said in, in chapter 2, verse 15, yet she will be saved through childbearing. So remember how we kind of talked about like the sphere of childbearing or bringing up children. The sphere is where she really does experience uh, the most natural, you could say, avenue of, of sanctification, of being conformed to the image of Christ, of being coming holy. Um, that doesn't mean that there's not these rare exceptions where a woman is gifted with celibacy and 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 is single like Paul himself was. But again, it's not the norm. It's not the norm. The norm is uh, that a woman becomes a mother, gets married, and and bears and rears children, and that's good. Now, so uh, that's verse ten. Having a reputation for good works, if she has brought up children, has shown hospitality. Uh, you know the interesting thing about hospitality. Um, again, this is a, 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 a the same qualification from for a man over in the overseer thing. He needs to be hospitable as well. Uh, that's in verse two. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable. So both need to be hospitable. Both men and women need to be hospitable. Makes sense. Obvious. Uh, and hospitality goes beyond just. You know, I'm hospitable to my friends, to the people that I want to come over and the people that I like. But it's it's hospitable. It's hospitality that goes to the point of you are welcoming to even strangers, to even the person you don't know. You would be willing to open up your house to and and care for and be hospitable to even them, even a stranger. Um, so there's a depth a depth to this hospitality thing beyond just hey yeah I. I have a little party at my house and all I invite just my favorite friends and it's just a handful of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's you're 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 willing and joyous to open up your home to even a stranger who is in need. And then the next one is has washed the feet of the saints. Now, certainly there was literally an a practice of washing the feet of people and this was something that was practical in that in this day because people wore sandals and the roads were dusty and and, and so the, people's feet were just absolutely filthy and so when you would have come into a house uh, you would have to wa- get your feet washed so that you went track and dust all over the house so it was a very practical thing but somebody washed your feet and it was when you washed somebody's feet you you were serving them and it was an it was an act of humility so really what Paul is saying here isn't you know, yes, there's this practical expression of the underlying uh, uh, fruit of the spirit, which is humility. Like you're, you're a servant and you're humble. You're, you're humbly serving in a sense. 
So you could say that she's, you could say that has washed the feet of the saints. You could almost say it as she's a, she's a humble servant. Hmm. She serves and she's humble in her service. Um, so that's that. And certainly a man too also has to be a humble servant. Uh, has care for the afflicted. So again, the, the down and out, the poor, the needy, has care for them, has care for orphans. Orphans were a big issue, especially, I mean, they're still an issue today, and they were certainly a huge issue in the first century. Uh, many people, uh, especially if they gave birth to a disabled child in the Roman world, they just leave them on the streets to die. And so uh, a lot of Christian women... Would, would would find these children, they would take them in, these orphans, these disabled orphans, and they would care for them. They would mm-hmm. care for the afflicted. And it's an amazing thing. And, and you can think of today, too, like we have we have Christian couples who will be become foster parents, and they will take in these, these, these children that come from very broken homes. Uh, they'll, they'll take in children who, when they were in the womb, um, were exposed to meth or or all these hard drugs that their their mother did while she was pregnant, and so they're just developmentally just really messed up, honestly. And you have you have couples, you have f- families, you have parents taking in these children and caring for the afflicted. It's an incredible thing. It's an incredible thing, um, and it's a godly thing. It really is. And then finally, has devoted herself to every good work. So that's kind of like I've used that word inclusio thing, a bookend. So you have uh, having a reputation of good works, boom, 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 boom. Inclusio devoted herself to every good work. Okay, so all these things are good works. So that's that really is a a good description of a godly woman, a description that every woman, every Christian woman should aspire to emulate. Every woman. Should aspire, you know. Again, I'm talking in generalities when it comes to motherhood, because, uh, but I'm going to speak this way because the vast majority of women will be mothers and should be mothers. That is that is the primary track here. There's a rare f- few that get called into a celibate life of singleness where they devote themselves. Singleness is always uh, a devotion to the work of God in a very specific way. It's not, uh, I'm going to be single because I want to go pursue my career or go do my own thing or make a bunch of money and do this or do that. That's not what singleness is for. That's not what the gift of celibacy is for. The gift of celibacy, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, is for devoting your th- th- yourself to the things of God. Mm. Be concerned with the things of God. Mm. So, a woman who just puts off bearing children because she wants to go do her own little thing, wrong. That's not that's not godly at all. That's the opposite of godliness. So I'm going to talk specifically, in a sense, to the to the mothers, to the people who aren't called to a, a good celibate, godly single life, mm-hmm. um, and and this really is a description: bearing children. That is godly. That is good. Rearing and taking care of and nurturing and your children. It's incredibly godly. Um, again, hospitality, wash the feet of saints, humble service, care for the afflicted. Boom. Description of a godly woman. And that, uh, that bring, <laughs> I, I was reading a commentary, McCart- John MacArthur's commentary on this passage, and he, he gave a quote. I'm going to read it because I thought it was so incredible. I thought it was so incredible. What does he say here? Um, he's, uh, MacArthur says this in, in reference to this, this passage. 
This is that truth is illustrated in a story told by the Scottish preacher Ian uh, McLaren of a woman in his church. And so the story goes like this. I'm just going to read it. It's, As they were talking, she began to wipe her eyes with the corner of her apron. So Dr. McLaren said, what's disturbing you? Oh, she said, sometimes I feel I have done so little. And when I think about it, it makes my heart heavy because really I've done so little for Jesus. When I was a wee girl, the Lord spoke to my heart and I surrendered to him and I wanted to live for him. Oh, so much. But I feel I haven't done anything. What have you done with your life? He asked. Oh, nothing, she said, just nothing. I, I've washed dishes, cooked three meals a day, taken care of my children, mopped the floor, mended the clothes, you know, everything a mother does. That's all I've done. McLaren sat back in his chair and asked, where are your boys? Oh, she spoke, you know, I named them all uh, all for the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know them all, and you know where Mark is. You ordained him. He went to China, he's learned the language, and now he's able to minister to, to the people in the name of the Lord. Where's Luke, McLaren said. You know well enough where he is because you sent him out and I had a letter from him the, the other day. He is in Africa and says a revival has broken out at his mission station. And Matthew, he queried, he's with his brother in China. They're all working together. And John, who's 19, came to me last night to say God has laid Africa on his heart. He said, I'm going to Africa, but don't worry about it, mother, because the Lord has shown me that I am to stay with you until you go home to glory, and then I'll go. Until then, I have to take care of you. McLaren looked at the elderly saint and said, your life has been wasted, you say? Yes, it's been wasted. You have been cooking and mopping and washing, but I would like to see the reward when you are called home. Mm. And, I mean, that's just... I don't even know what to say about that because that's it almost one it almost like brings tears to my eyes when I think about it because yeah. it that is it's incredible mm-hmm. that is a godly woman and and that that description that 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 quote that MacArthur gave was just perfect perfectly placed great quote a true story incredible like she lived a godly life she, look at she raised these four boys and they all became ministers of the gospel around the world and feared the Lord. She raised these four boys to fear the Lord and to love the Lord. She obviously did a wonderful job at it. She cared for them. She nurtured them. And now look at what they're doing. They're going around the world and they're bringing the gospel to people who need it. It's it's like I get so, so fired up at this, at today's cultural or today's culture, today's society of condemning the woman, really, or the the mother, like the woman who stays home and takes care of her children, is this horrible woman. She's not, she's not expressing herself. She's not being independent. She's not, uh, blah 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 blah. And it's just so wrong, hmm. so wrong, yeah, so that's, wrong. I think that's what's been interesting to me in a lot of this study. Again, as an emphasis that I've known, but uh, to see it here, Sam, is that. Like, this is not a secondary position. No. I mean, that's the whole point of everything that we've done. Again, you'd have to go back and listen to everything we've done. This, right. isn't, this isn't inferior or secondary. This is the high calling. Yeah. And, you know, it's just the high calling. And, and, and I can appreciate that story. Um, though, I, I do have to say, when I hear that story, 
one of the difficulties of that story for some people, I, there was two difficulties as, as when you were given your comment, commentary here, Sam. One is certainly there are some couples in life too that find themselves infertile. And yes, but even that, um, you know, we don't need to get into, I mean, if people, sometimes people adopt and they do other things and I, I don't yep. want, we don't need to go down that. And that, that's great. It's, it's wonderful. Um, but even the idea of infertility, it's a great burden that people have to carry. It's, it's, it's obviously uh, an aspect of the fall. It's an aspect yeah. of um, uh, an anomaly. And, um, right. and so it's a painful thing. But even think of that, yeah. the very fact that it's painful shows that, yeah, that you are made for this. This is, yeah. in a sense, this is the way it ought to be, right? And, and yeah. it's not because of sin and the fall, not an individual sin, uh, right. but because of the reality of fall. But the other one is this idea of it's, it, um, is the uh, father and mother who raise their children uh, and point them towards the Lord. And, yep. and, and, you know, my wife and I, you know, have, have worked through this with, you know, our own kids and we're watching things unfold. And, and I know many parents who have had to work through this. And that is that um, you can only take so much responsibility, though. That is like you. Right. The woman's job is to create this setting. If you notice here, it doesn't say um, it doesn't say like all of her children walk with the Lord and they're all in ministry. That's right. not that's not the qualification. The qualification is did she do well in doing what she was supposed to do? <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, you know, for those in her household, did she care for them? Did she do what she was supposed to do? Because there right. there's there's a real sense in that that's the only thing you can do. I would liken it to like preaching. Like like you, yep. you we can't convert anybody. My job is no. not to change anybody. I can't change anybody. Right. Uh all I can do is speak the knowledge of God to people and the truth. And that's what I'm to be faithful to. And right. so it's the same thing here. There's these qualifications. And I would just want to add that if somebody's right. listening. Yep. Because, because and, and, and again, Sam, you're younger, but at my age, I have parents, you know, other friends of ours and others who are watching the journeys of their kids. And some of their kids don't know, look like they know the Lord today. And, and, oh, and, right. and it's a very difficult place because you think, man, did I fail? Did I not? point the kids in the right direction and i of course i don't know everybody's situation but i'd want to tell a whole bunch of people out there that are listening who are concerned about that like no you did your job <laughs> you yeah. know then i would want to embrace you and go no believe me you did your job uh yep. now you have to entrust uh your children to the lord and trust him right. to do what he's going to do and so um anyway i just want to qualify that so it's not a checklist hey are all your kids look like saints today no that's not the point yeah yeah <laughs> point is did you live a godly life before him did you demonstrate and i would even add you and i had this talk oh a number of weeks ago sam and that's what i want i i think this passage clearly emphasizes this idea you could say a spirit-filled woman a godly woman um yep. you could say a proverbs 31 woman if you wanted to have yeah. that kind of conversation but right the point is it's not intended to be a checklist because you may have a widow here honestly right. that came to faith in christ late in her life right and maybe she either raised her kids uh, and they were already up and gone, or perhaps uh, they were halfway through the journey, if you will, when she was at home. And the question isn't like, did she do it right the whole time? The question is, is, is she living a Christian repentant life? Could she even look back even and go, you know, that first 10 years, I kind of I kind of didn't know. I was not only naive, right. but I was in my right. sin and I didn't walk with God and I did it wrong. You right. know, and so the, so the qualification isn't like, 
does she meet this checklist and do everything right? It's like, no, is she a godly woman? Is she a repentant woman? She sees where she's failed. She's confessed that. She walks with God. She knows God. And you can look mm -hmm. at her life and see this godly woman who mm -hmm. the things that she's touched, and again, in her primary sphere, in her home, look, right. like, look like a woman who walked with God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. uh, and again, I just know, I believe me, I mean, I'm at that age that I, I know many parents who... I mean, they poured their guts into it and poured their heart into it. And, and they have their sin and their struggle like we all do. But they really did, like, really go after it in a really right, godly way. And even now, the outcome is not what they had hoped for. Right. But that doesn't disqualify them. <laughs> right. But And the thing we're emphasizing here, I think, and what you're emphasizing, is once again, though, isn't this interesting... The bigger thing that we're trying to emphasize in, in this series of podcasts is that when it comes down to caring for these widows within the church, you're looking for these widows when they come that uh, uh, they demonstrate this, this uh, what it means to be a godly woman in the sphere that they were given. Right. Right. Exactly. It's, and that's exactly. It's even interesting, right? Like that's And, what, and this is going to get further clarity when we jump over to Titus 2. Yeah on the role of an older woman in the church. And you'll yeah. see that this is actually corresponds very well yeah. with this description here. Yeah, I just uh, think I just think it's important, right? So you're looking through this qualification. We're talking about the sphere. Um, we're being cautious. There's always exceptions. To, I say exceptions. There's always uh, variances in life that we have to contend with. But it doesn't say here, hey, she became a great CEO. Uh, she, no. You know, it, uh, she... she she accomplished her task in some other realm. It, it's just interesting that, again, the emphasis is on right. the sphere that the scriptures have been emphasizing, right? Right. You know, right. I, I just, exactly. And that's the real question. The question isn't, uh, you know, did she, you know, do CrossFit and stay in perfect shape her whole life? That's, that's, that's not the question. <laughs> that's, did, no. did, did she go out in her life and get her degrees and accomplish all these things for, you know— retirement that's not the question that's not the question no not, you know there's there's you know you can see here there the question is 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 how do you tell a godly woman you look into this primary sphere of her life and see how she operated there yep right i mean yep. that's really what yep. it's saying yep. yep yep so verse 11 now now we see okay but refuse to enroll younger widows. Okay, so now you have these these younger widows. Their husbands died. You know, it's interesting. These these it doesn't necessarily mean that their husbands died. Uh, widows is actually in the Greek. It's actually more of a broader term. Um, it could encompass a woman who's been abandoned by her husband, or mm, yeah. uh, could even be uh, the innocent party in in a divorce where the husband committed adultery or was a non-believer and left her, left her, or something like that. Could mean that actually, which was common. Um, which was common, very common. It was oh, common yeah. for a woman. Absolutely. Woman, let's say a woman came to faith in Christ and the husband was just, yep. you know, the nope. pa pa pagan guy, and it's like I don't yep. want to. I don't want to be with this kind of woman. Nope. Exactly. So it, it couldn't mean more than just a, wom a woman or a wife whose husband died. Yeah. Um, it, it, it could be a, a woman whose husband just abandoned her, too. Yeah. Um, so, but refused to enroll younger widows. Uh, so, again, that couldn't be a number of reasons why this woman is now left without a husband. Uh, but she's younger. So, contextually, you could say she's under 60. Um, 
We know that for sure. But, uh, you know, it's likely that she's still in a, you could say, prime child-rearing age. <laughs> for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry. And so this this passions, like, it's, it encompasses a, a few things, like, Certainly a sexual desire, like a, a desire for sexual intimacy, um, but also passions for just being a mother, having children, things like that. Um, so not necessarily bad passions, but you have this reality of when, a, so he says, but refuse to enroll. So when a, when a widow was enrolled, it really was, in a way, this vow that she made to a vow to the church or a vow to God to to devote herself to the ministry uh, and devote herself to the church and devote devote herself for to these things these things of God and so it really was as though like she was operating as a woman with the gift of celibacy or singleness where she gives herself to the things of God and so what Paul is trying to say here is hey don't enroll these younger women, widows to this because it's very well likely that they are going to have a desire to get married and they're going to, in a sense, break their vow. It's like breaking a contract in a way. Like, hey, they, they, their husband abandoned them or their husband died. They're still young and they, they, they feel this overwhelming burden. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enroll as a widow and I'm going to give my, my whole life to the things of God and to the ministry and all of a sudden, a few months later, a year later, she starts to realize, oh, but I actually want to get married again and have children. And then she, in a sense, it's, it's as some of the commentators say, it's like she's breaking a vow. Yeah. And it's not good. Well, and Sam, that's what's important here, too, why we're talking about this and hopefully not laboring it too hard. But like, you know, I've already said it. There's an emphasis here, at least even in our podcast, on this biblical principle of the sphere of the woman, of a being a godly woman in that sphere. But yep. interwoven in here, though, particularly in this passage, is some, yes. some very specific application to the church in Ephesus. Mm -hmm. uh, there was apparently this list they would put widows on. It was apparently a pledge, right? And so mm -hmm. the point is, is not necessarily all of our churches operate with a list and a pledge like that today per se. Per se, right. Right. And so right. similar similar to when we talked to 1 Corinthians about a head covering, and we said, okay, there's this yep. principle here. Whatever the thing was they were wearing, a bonnet, a hat, or something, wasn't really the emphasis for the application of that passage in our day. Right. It's, it's getting to the principle, right? And so yep. what you see woven through here isn't, okay, every church, go get a list and have a woman make a pledge Necessarily, you know, a church possibly could do that, or could there could be some kind of an application of a modification yep. of that, right? But yep. the point here is that this is what a godly older woman looks like. Yep. And you younger widows, for whatever reason, you find yourself alone, um, which is interesting, right? When we get to Titus, it basically is like, you know, go, go into your sphere and be a wife and childbearing and go start another family. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, I mean we're going to get to that, but isn't, that kids. It, isn't that interesting, right? Like, no, yeah. go, go start a family. Yeah. Right? So, it, it, like, big, big deal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, read through the through Proverbs, and you're going to see a lot of Proverbs on the blessedness of having children. Yeah. Right. So, 
Like, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of arrows, meaning full of children. So even in that, right, uh, refuse to put the younger widows on the list for when they feel sensual desires, and you qualified what that means. Uh, uh, disregard to this affection, this, this the pledge to the Christ in the ministry. Uh, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have to violate this pledge that they did. Yep. Apparently there, there yep. was this pledge they had to do, right? right. So um, anyway, it's just interesting. He's saying, no, uh, you go back yeah. to your primary sphere and right. you go where you get to flourish and where you really, yeah, where you really can flourish and right. go be a wife and go have kids and raise a family. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's incredible. It's like, go do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, go get married. Go yeah. have kids. Yeah. Like, incredible thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, then he, and then he gives further justification here, verse 13, besides that. So if, if these younger widows don't go get remarried yeah. and don't have children, this is what happens. They learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips, busybodies, and busybodies saying what they should not. Uh, so I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. So this is what they're doing. Now they're just running around, and idlers really mean they're they're busy with doing nothing, if that makes sense. Busy with doing nothing. They're running around to all these different houses, and they're, they're not doing anything productive, mm-hmm. and really what they're doing is they're just starting to gossip and slander. And this is a stereotype. (laughs) It's a stereotype that you could say is, is grounded in a sense is that you put a bunch of women together and they start to gossip. And there is a, there's a level of truth to the, to the, to the temptation. You could say there's this reality that women have this temptation that when they all get together, there is this temptation to start to gossip. Well, it's a, it, yeah, let me say something about that. So we, we don't want to go further than what the Scripture teaches. We want to do really right. well at that, just like we right. did in our other podcast. But there seem to be these applications that seem to fit pretty well, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. so what I would say here, which, which is interesting, okay? So you see the contrast of what he's telling the young woman to do and what not to do. And one of the consistencies in there that we could have a discussion, again, I don't want to go too much further than what the Scripture is teaching, but... I would say that potentially, and it, just everybody listen and contemplate this, that women, and we've seen this in certain kinds of studies, right, that women tend to have a, a greater ability for relationships. They're more in yeah. tune to relationships and the nuances and the conversations. And we've talked yep. about that, you know, even down yep. to, I think, do you bring it they up? hear more tones. Tone, tones and all that. Okay, so think about it. If a woman truly as a woman, a female, was made by yep. God for that, yeah. And the primary sphere for that to unfold is within the family. You know, raising yes. kids, hearing kids, interacting, relational. Each of these little kids are a unique human being. My wife has to have really right. great skill with each one of them that looks a little bit different. Different from ages, each one. different personalities. Yeah. And then putting up with me and yeah. <laughs> caring for the gardener, you know. And I mean, seriously, yeah, yep. multitasking. I mean, you watch this unfold, and there's some reality here. Again, I don't want to go too far and be too like dogmatically stereotypical but it is true you can tend to see this so if they don't apply that ability and giftedness in in the sphere that god's created there's a possibility and it's showing the contrast here that's not good is that they they could use that same skill set if i could use it that way or that giftedness set or the way god made them and use it inappropriately 
And this yeah. is, and he, he really does. He literally says, uh, don't give the enemy an occasion for reproach. Uh, for yep. some have already been turned aside to follow Satan. Isn't that interesting? Like, yeah. like, like if you start going down this road yeah, and those say giftedness or tendencies or abilities that you've been created and you kind of take on uh, uh, an energy by themselves and not applied where they're supposed to be, uh, they could get you in some big trouble. Yes. And I, again, and there's a lot of application think, you go there, but it's something, you know, so the women listening particularly, listen, I mean, nobody's trying to, you know what I mean? It can sound demeaning and it's not meant to be that. It's just like you right. have these incredible relational gifts that are used for God for a purpose. And when we get to Titus, I mean, this is what he starts saying about older widows. Teach, yeah. teach older women, teach younger women how to how to do this in their home, how to apply right. this, how to, how, to right. do, how to live this out. And... If you don't do it in the right place, it could potentially take on the wrong direction. Yep. And so think so of it this good, way. So it's a good caution, right? It's just a caution. Yep. It's think just, of it this way. Like the man, like, okay, the man has been given this this tremendous strength. Oh, yeah. That'd be phys- good. Physical good, strength. And, good contrast. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, you know, in, in, the, in the correct sphere, it's for protection. It's for fighting the evil enemy yep. of the world and protecting the innocent and protecting the family protecting women and children but yet when it's abused yep. and gone the wrong way it's abusive like there you go. Good. he hits that, the kids hits the wife bad that's a great example so, so that's that's what i'm saying i think i think he's drawing a contrast here clearly exa- yeah. i'd say that like i would almost go as far as to say that's exactly what he's doing yeah. here well, this woman yeah. has this incredible relational ability and yeah. relational ability comes with uh, uh, this verbal ability she has this ability and, yeah. and actually there's actually grounded hard facts on the number of words a woman says versus the number of words a man says. Yeah. Just in, in, in your average day-to-day life, women say, I don't even know the exact, I'll probably find it, maybe I'll say in the application episode, but like, they, like they say way more words, way more words than men do on average. Way more. You know, that's, like it's like, oh. <laughs> that's that, that, that's kind of, it's kind of funny too. It's kind of comical because, um, you know, I've read those studies and, and uh, they seem to be pretty, pretty fair, you know, and now I'm a grandpa. And I'm, I'm more in tune than when I was a young dad, you know, I think. I, yep. I, I just pay more attention. I, I just sort of sit back as the grandpa in a living room yep. and watch my kids. And it's yep. fun to watch them. And it, it kind of plays itself out. I can watch, like, you know, I can watch uh, my one grandson uh, in, in contra- contrasting to the girls. It's just interesting. Yep. There's all these noise coming out of his mouth, all these grunts, all these sounds. And it's like... <laughs> yep. And you read about this, and it's like, oh yeah, there, there's there's a difference. There's just a difference yep. in with the, the way these boys communicate and which the girls communicate. It's just yep. kind of, it's kind of funny to watch, and you're like, right? Nobody's really taught them that. It's kind of like wired in them, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Yep. And so, where a woman has this incredible ability to be nurturing and encouraging and caring with her words, yeah, she also has this pitfall of where when it's abused, she becomes a gossiper and a slanderer. There it is. Yeah. Yeah, and likewise, a man has this wonderful ability to protect with his strength, uh, but when it's abused, he becomes, uh, yeah. you could say, a tyrant. <laughs> this this domineering tyrant that yeah. that hits yep. people. Um, yep. So th- that's, that's the thing. Good. That's a yep. reality. And so here we go. What is what would he rather? What would Paul rather have these young women do? So I would have a younger widows marry, bear children, actually have children, like. Have yeah. children, manage their households, yeah, isn't be that homemakers, something? and isn't that something? It's incredible. 
we I'm telling you, we live in a world that if you even talk that way in certain settings, people think you're being so demeaning. Oh, yeah. And here's the word of God. Like, we're say, to the point now where you say something like that, you put, put, be put in jail. Yeah, I mean, he's literally saying, hey, go get married, have children, and keep your household. Keep your house. Yeah. And literally, the, the text there, you get into that, it means what you would think it does. It's like care for your household, like yeah. caring and food and cleaning and all that stuff right. that's kind of in that. That's just this huge task to have this healthy environment. When I say healthy, I mean emotional, spiritual, as much as I mean physical. I mean it all—it's mm -hmm. all inclusive. You know, but go create this environment, this greenhouse mm -hmm. for your family. That's your mm -hmm. primary sphere. Mm -hmm. right? Yes. And yep. And it yep. That's just good. And again, yeah. all this whole thing—remember we talked about when women start to exercise authority over men and, and start to teach doctrine—it leads to deception. Because they're not, they're not operating in their sphere. That's why Satan went to Eve. Because he knew it would, he, it, it was an opportunity for deception. It creates deception. Yeah. Switching the order, switching the roles. Likewise, here, what does Paul say? Like, give the adversary no occasion for slander. Like, when you operate in your sphere and you do what you're created to do, it 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 it, it gives the adversary no occasion. <laughs> when you start getting out of bounds, uh oh. Yeah. Like, bad, bad news. Yeah. And we're living in a time now where it's bad news everywhere you look. Uh, a lot of our churches today, bad news. Bad news. Um, total reversal of this. So, if any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Okay. So, if you, I think we just move right over to Titus. And finish this up. Um, again, very similar. Not much more to say about it, but just to see that, hey, look, this is in another book of the Bible. So Titus, another pastoral epistle, very much like First Timothy or Second Timothy. Here you have Titus, like Timothy, this young, um, uh, young elder pastor type. Uh, he's pastoring and overseeing a church in Crete, the island of Crete, if you know where that is in the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, like this Ephesian church, Crete is very dysfunctional, very disordered. Uh, and this is li listen to what Paul tells Titus. He's writing this letter to Titus. Listen to what he tells him in verse 5 of chapter 1. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what, I, what remained into order. And then how? And appoint elders in every town as I directed you. And then he gives the qualifications for elders. Very much like this basically about the same list as you saw or the description as you saw in um in first timothy yeah i'll just it, read it quick if, hey sam real quick in a context yeah. context here that's kind of fun just to think about it's a different it's a, it's a big different you know biblical discussion it has nothing to do particularly with what we're talking about in our emphasis on this podcast but but timothy was an established church in ephesus yeah you know in the in yeah. this, in this False teaching came into this established yeah. place, and they there was this confusion that they had to address. So he, he put things in line. Uh, Titus here, it's interesting. This would be what we call church planning. This was a young church. church. Plant. Yep, yep. This was a yep. brand new right. church. So I, I just find it interesting. It's a brand new church, uh, meaning the gospel went there, and there was these people that came to faith in Christ. Now you have this community, this fellowship mm -hmm. of believers, 
and they have to put order to it now, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, even oh, that, that's great. so even that's very interesting. I left you in Crete that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Look at it, in every city as I directed you. So it's very interesting that you do find this like, uh, and again, I'm not trying to go off on another whole discussion, but it's very valuable within our discussion is that when Paul would go and bring the gospel someplace in the book of Acts, and it's an area that you and I, Sam, you've traveled with me, like I've been involved with that kind of a training yep. of taking the gospel and planting churches. Uh, in the last, what, five or six years, we've, we've taken, I think, 20, I don't know, it's close to 2,500 leaders in Africa through training in this sort of realm, right? Uh, evangelism, yep. church planning, communicating the gospel, expanding the church. And so it, it's fascinating to me here, though, that once the gospel there, and there was this community of believers, one of the first things they did was what? Appoint who? Men. Yep. To lead this thing. Yep. I mean, it's one of the, I mean, like the first, and he's literally, it's one yep. of the first things they did. As I directed you. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, you know, so again, I don't want to go down the whole road there, but they would bring the gospel. They'd give them some basic doctrine. They had the, the basic sacraments or ordinances, you know, depending on how you want to think about that, but, but mm -hmm. uh, communion and baptism. And this community then was to be led by this group of godly men. And that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that again, think of just order. I mean, everything we've been talking about all the way back at the beginning of our podcast, God was about bringing about order. So he had this structure and this order to bring about this work. Yep. And you, yep. And you, and just, so, and you just can't violate it. So go ahead. You can't. And it's yeah. so interesting that I think that was a great point to bring this up. This is a church plant, young church. Uh, yep. But it's so interesting. Okay, you have a young church. What's What do you need to do to create order? You need to, you need to appoint qualified elders. Boom. Yep. Yep. Now you have a church that's already established, but now dysfunctional and some heresies coming in. And you have, you could probably say you have some compromised leadership. Yep. Now what do you do? Same thing. Get qualified leadership in. Boom. Here's the type of elder that you need. Boom. Put them in. Yep. Like both cases, doesn't matter if you're young and new or established and old, you need step number one in a sense is, hey, get some qualified men leading this church. That's what you need. Yep. That's what you need. That's here's, how you, here's the description. So that's how you... That's incredible. So yeah, that's great because I hadn't thought about that when we were, you know, until now when we're doing the podcast. But in one case, that's how you, you, you bring the thing back to order. On the, other, yep. on the other side, this is how you start it in the right direction in the first place. Yeah, this is how you create order. Yep, in the beginning. Yep. yep. Awesome. So Good. cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and again, it doesn't say... Here you have two books now. It doesn't say, you know, appoint a woman as a leader. No, <laughs> right. no, doesn't say that. That would create the chaos. Yeah. Um, as Paul had said in first Timothy, I, uh, I forbid, you know, you yeah. can't have this. You can't have a woman exercising authority. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, a list, I'll just quick read it, but it's basically the same as first Timothy. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, so again, they're 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 submissive to their to their father, mm -hmm. for an overseer. As God's story must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent, or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Mm -hmm. And then verse nine. This is so this is so important. He must hold firm the trustworthy word is taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. There you go. So important. Yeah. So important. 
He must hold firm, like firm, closed fist, has it, boom, got it, I got it. Hold mm-hmm. firm. The trustworthy word is taught. He has it. He has his doctrine down. He's convicted. He's got it. He's learned. Boom. Hold firm. Got it. Why? So that he can give instruction and rebuke those who contradict it. There's a two. There's two sides to this. It's not just to teach what's right, but it's also to 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 rebuke what's wrong. Yeah. And that is so frustrating to me. Is so many so many leaders in churches today. Yeah, they'll they'll teach what what's right. But they 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 don't have enough backbone to, con you know to rebuke what's wrong. I don't want to I don't want to cause a stir. You know I'll let that person believe what they want to believe, and even though I know it's wrong, uh, you know, I know. <laughs> Part of the role of the elder is to rebuke what those who contradict sound doctrine. So, you know that's kind of review because that was in First Timothy, but jumped in chapter two now. Um, but as for you, teach again, he says it again, but as for you, he's talking to Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine, repeats it. So important. Older men are to be sober minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior. Not again. Notice what he says, (laughs) not slanderers. Think back to first Timothy five. (laughs) <laughs> the the sins that come from the mouth, <laughs> not slanders or slaves to much wine. Okay, wait a minute. Uh, wait, they are slow down there, Sam. I want to just make a comment. So, yeah, uh, you're reading the ESV. Yeah. Okay, just read that again. Old older women likewise are to be what? Reverent in behavior. And then what? Not slanders. Not slanders. Okay. And then not slave to much wine. I'm just interesting. I have NASB, and yep. it literally says not malicious gossips. Yeah. So slanderers or not malicious gossips. It's the same yeah. thing. It's the idea of gossip. Okay. Yep. Yep. Or uh, slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we here we have this this Greek word to teach. Uh, but what are they to teach? What is good? And to so, so train. So here now we have the description. So train. So they're teaching. Trains so, so let me stop you right young there. Women. Let me stop you right there. I know where you're going to okay, go, yep. but let me stop you. Yep. So just to emphasize, because you said something earlier that I totally agree with, but this would qualify. Women are, according to what we've read, the scripture is clear, that women are not to uh, teach and have authority in the church. Yep. Yep. Okay. Teach and authority over men. That doesn't mean, we talk, said this before, that a woman couldn't go home and say, like my wife saying, hey, I was reading this today and the Lord really opened, showed me this in my, in my study. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And she tells me, oh, yeah, I, I haven't seen that before. That is a great one, Tina. Good. Yeah. That doesn't mean that she can't do that with me. No. We're talking about authority in the church. Right. And what this means. And so, it, again, it's it's about order. It's about forms, yep. uh, operating within your sphere. So this gets really cool because obviously he's saying here, and we already talked about in prophecy that women have things to offer the church. Right. So teaching what is good, but then he goes on so that, go ahead. Yeah. So there's a sphere, so, yep. there's a sphere yep. in which this older woman is to teach. Yep. Here we go. He he describes it. So yep. what does her teaching do? Verse four, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to oh. be self controlled. Oh man. Pure. 
Dude. Working at home, working at home, <laughs> yep. kind and submissive to their own husbands. Just and again, just like First Timothy five, that the word of God may not be reviled, reviled or dishonored. So the word of God. Yeah. So so here's the point though: older women, godly women, you are to operate in such a way that you teach younger women to do what? To be godly. And what's it mean to be godly? What yep. is the, your primary sphere, young women? Yep. Boom. What is it? Boom. To Lo- love, love their, their husbands and children. Love their children. <laughs> to build their home. To be yep. sensible. Pure. He actually says working at home. Yep. It literally says sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, yep. being subject to their own husbands. That's the idea of this submissiveness, this yep. right to their own place. husbands. Yep. That's so, godly. Submitting to your own husband is godly. Yeah. It's godly. Yeah. That's that's acting holy. Yeah. Like that's obedient. That's 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 and it's, glorifying and it's, God. And it should be desirous. It should, and it be, should like, be desirous. Yeah, like like no, this should be an affection that's like, no, I want to do that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh. I mean, man. we've already covered all that ground before, so we don't have to labor that again. But just right. like but the point is, is here this, right. is this young church plants, this gospel's going out, appoint men as leaders and uh, treat older men rightly. You know, they're, they're to be a certain dignified, gracious, kind, temperate, sensible person, sound right. in the faith. And then here we are, older women, likewise, likewise, are just to be like older yep. men, same thing, reverent in their behavior and not malicious gossips. Yep. Not enslaved yep. to much wine isn't interesting. Yep. Teach what is good. Where are you teaching this? So that you may encourage the young women to operate within their sphere. Yep. So crazy. That, so so it, clear. It's so and, and the reason it's crazy is there's again, there's this tsunami of pushback against this. Oh, huge pushback. See, like, there, there's this reality that that older women within our churches need to be Teaching younger women, no, this is where you need to operate. Yeah. And yeah. younger women should be listening to the older women say this. Yeah. And here's the, here's a cool connection with First Timothy 5 with the widow's thing is, yeah. okay, part of the go- a description of a godly woman, someone who raised her children. Yeah. And, and why? Because, okay, this older woman now, she's over, again, as Paul says, over at least in that context, over 60. She's older woman. She's a widow. She's raised her children well. Yeah. Well, why that's so important is because one of her primary roles in her sphere now that she's older is to teach the younger women how to to love their husbands and love their children and to raise their children. Yeah. So if she's never done that or didn't do it well, yeah. Now you you have a you have a little bit of an issue like okay, now she's she's not able to teach these younger women to love their their husbands and hmm. and to love their children and to be homemakers because maybe she didn't do it. And so that's, that's the thing. This, this whole, this whole sphere is connected. It's all part of, it's incredible. You have a young woman, she gets married. She has a bunch of children. She takes care of these children. That's going to last. Oh man. depending on how many kids you have 20 years mm-hmm. or more. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then she, then when she gets older, She's going to likely probably very much help out with the grandchildren when her older kids start to have kids. And then when she gets really old, then she's going to teach these younger women uh, in the church and even probably her own daughters still how to love 
their husbands and how to care for her children. It's all connected. It's all part of the sphere of 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 submitting to the husband, respecting the husband, and nurturing and caring for the children and raising up godly children. The next generation of, of God-fearing people. So important. <laughs> I'm almost speechless. I don't know what I don't even know what else to say. It's like uh it, I mean if you believe the Bible, if you believe the if you're a Christian listening and you believe the Bible is the God-inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God, with all authority for your life, well, then what? I mean, man. Well, we've like I said, well, we've done this is eleven episodes in. Yeah, and I think Sam, what you know, probably the emotion you're showing, passion that you have, is sim- You know, and I've said this, we've said this on numerous of these podcasts. It's almost bizarre because as we talk like this, we're, we're, we're not only, there's something being pushed against us that we're pushing against. Yes. As if this is somehow this, I don't know, old-fashioned, weird something that's so supposed to be set aside. That's it, well, It's weird. And so when you say it, you almost feel like, I don't know. People can feel apologetic for saying this. I don't mean apologetic, like making any defense for your faith, but literally, like, right. well, like, I'm, I'm so- sorry. I shouldn't really be probably saying this, right? Because yeah, and it's kind of a strange. That's that's really oh, strange because here you're reading something, and again, we've been saying it. You know, at this point, it's a four thousand year pattern. At the point we're talking about it, yeah, right. No, right. no, no. Yeah, yeah. It's at least that. Yeah, right. And so right. Um, I'm trying to think through. Well, if we go back to Moses, we're talking 1,700 years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. potentially there's 4,000 years before this of a pattern. And, yeah. now, and now we've had this pattern for 2,000 years since then. Yep. So anywhere, again, and we're, you know, we're not trying to age the earth right now, folks. We're just saying, like, if you look <laughs> at these generations and you look at when this stuff was written and you're going, wow, like, this pretty much looks like somewhere between four to 6,000 years ago that this whole pattern started and it's just never changed. But yet we're living in a day here in 2020 where literally this week Congress came up with rules and said, we know we cannot use the words father, father, mother, daughter, son, girl, boy, male, female, like literally they're trying to have these rules within the, the, the house of representatives, this, this term, this Congress where they're not going to use any of those terms. It's crazy. It's and, literally and crazy. It's it, that's what I mean. And it's like, I hope that Christians are listening to this, realizing that you're living in a world here in the West that has completely abandoned. I mean, a long time completely, it, complete, but com- and, to the point now that the wheels are coming off in sort of an ins- well, not even sort of. It's in, it's like this God giving over to a reprobate mind, meaning like you kind of go into insanity. Yeah, losing your mind. And so without going down that road today and getting into that whole discussion, the point being, though, is is that even as we talk about this, I'm just, you know, Sam and I, when we do this podcast, he's up in North Dakota, I'm in Kansas, we're looking at each other on the Zoom meeting or whatever they call this thing. And we're both kind of like, wow, how could this be any clearer? It's so clear. It's so sitting here right in front of us. But why does this feel awkward? And why does this, you know, for those of you listening, and you have to understand it's because... 
there are ideas and presuppositions that sit out there in the world that our entire society has been immersed in that give you a completely contrary view to this. And when you pull this out, you're going against something. I mean, it's just weird. It's like... Yeah, like, and it's not even like... We're to a point now. Like, we're... We're to a crazy point right now. Like, we, we're we're yeah. in it right now. Like, oh, man. Real, Christ, real Christians are in, in for it. Yep. They're in for it right now. There's going to yeah. be real persecution because these things are... It's not just like, oh, I disagree with you and I, I don't like yeah. your idea of man's... It's like, no, we're actually going to try to pass legislation where we criminalize these ideas and they're like yeah. it's like george or orwell it's like thought crimes like even if you think that this is the way it is we need to penal we need to criminalize this yeah you've committed a thought crime yeah like if you actually as a human being me sam prada if i actually believe that it's sinful to be a homosexual like that's uh, that is we're to the point now where that we're very close in America where that could be criminalized. And it's already the case in Europe yeah. and probably Canada. Yeah. Like, that's criminal. You yeah. you will be put in prison, uh, in jail. You'll get a big fine. Like, up to a year or more in prison, in, in jail for, 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 for actually believing and saying yeah, that. Yeah for, yeah. Sa yeah, for saying it, yeah. So, yep. so, I guess what I'm just saying, I don't know, maybe I'm getting caught up in just an emotional moment here in the podcast. Like, Folks, if you're a believer in Christ, you really need to think through why you think the things you think and why you have the ideas that you have and where they come from. You really yeah. need to. Because as a believer in Christ, when, when God regenerates us, when we come to faith in Christ, when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, it's not just that, okay, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. And in one sense, you could say, well, that would be great and fine in itself. But that's not the end of the game. Like, I have entered into life with Christ, and the scriptures are replete with now. He's in this work of, of transforming my mind to mm. conform to a reality that he created, a reality of who he is, a reality of who I am. And I am to be transformed by renewing of my mind. Mm -hmm. And here in this issue of man and woman, it's so replete over and over through your scriptures. And that's what we've been doing. That for us to even say this, it, it just sounds so countercultural. It is. And it's going yeah. to take a conviction of sitting down and actually reading this and going, wow, God really says this. Yeah, and then having says it a lot, and he, he says, says it seriously. Yes, and there's ramifications if we don't do this. Consequences mm -hmm. because you can't violate a moral universe. And I'm serious, and I'm guessing, Sam, that there's a number of younger people, younger, I mean, adults, but younger that listen to you just because of the your listening audience. Um, like it's going to take tremendous courage and tremendous mm -hmm. conviction that you walk with God to to um, well, cut against, cut against this tide. You will be swimming up upstream. You will be swimming upstream, against all yep. the fish. You'll be swimming against all the institutions. You'll be swimming against much of the church that claims to be the church. You really will. Yep. And yep. so, but this is really clear here. You can see it here. Yep. Here's these yep. older women teaching younger women how to care for their homes, how to yep. how to love their wives, how to have children, how to raise children, how to have this godly home, there's the sphere. 
You don't see yep. anything else there. It doesn't say how to have a godly home and go develop your career. It, no, doesn't, it doesn't say, say there's nothing here. Nothing. Nothing. No, it doesn't. Anywhere. It's like, you know what? You can't do both. No. You, you can't. It, it, it is impossible to do both and do it well. You're going to have yep. to decide where you're going to put your efforts, your gills, your skill set. And you need to really think that through. That's, that would be, yep. it's an exhortation I'm telling the people listening to this. You really need to think this through. Yep. Yep. So we'll finish up here. Uh, verse six, likewise, urge the younger men. So he, okay, here's an urge to younger men. Be self-controlled. Okay. Duh. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, we all know young men and all their hormones. Be self-controlled. You can almost say, hey, certainly it gets like, it's certainly talking about like lust and, and their sexual passions and their sexual desires. They got to be self-controlled, but also in the anger, you know, getting, getting all full of rage and wanting to fight, like be self-controlled in that way too. Uh, and then he, he tells Timothy or Titus verse seven, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. So he's telling this young man, Titus, be a model of good works. And in your teaching, because T- Titus is teaching in your teaching, show integrity. Yeah. Dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned. Okay, let me go so back. So that an opponent so, may so, not be so, put to shame. So yep, in your okay. te- your teaching, my uh, NASB says purity and doctrine. You'll like that. Yep. Yeah, like, purity, I love that phrase. Thinking about it, purity and doctrine. You need to know yeah. if you're going to lead, and I would tell everybody listening, whether you've been called to lead the church or not, but to, even to lead your families, you need to be pure in doctrine. Yep. Incredible. Yep. Okay. Well, that wraps up our look at Titus, and we've nearly gone an hour and a half. And so, yeah, we're going to move on. Our last look, our last passage will be First uh, Peter 3, and then we're going to finally get to application after nearly 12 episodes on this series, or in this series. We'll finally get to application. I have a feeling we'll have a number of episodes in that application spot as well, because there's a lot to talk about today. Um, but yeah, hopefully you continue to tune in, you continue to learn, and you continue to, uh, I don't know, I mean, I, I guess I don't know where you're at, the people who are listening, I don't know where you lie. Um, I know that some people who listen certainly probably just totally agree with everything we're saying, and it's more of just an encouraging thing to listen to what we're saying. But I'm sure others who are listening are probably actually getting challenged. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope you're getting challenged. And I hope that it pushes you to really consider the scriptures to the point of where you go. Do I actually believe that this is the word of God? Do I actually believe that it's authoritative? And do I actually believe that God designed me this way as a man or a woman? And I need to operate in the sphere that he's made me. Yeah, and, and if you do, well, then submit. Well, Joyfully, and it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, and and I think that's what my exhortation was in a moment ago, right? Like, I want I want to challenge people. You really need again. I'm going to say it again. You really need to think this through. You yeah, really, you really do because Second um, Corinthians ten tells us that uh, though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. There's a warfare we're in. There's a real spiritual battle we're in. That's not just a fleshly battle, right? And it says the weapons of our warfare, again, this is 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 3, 3 through 5. Um, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, okay? But the weapons we fight with are divinely powerful 
listen now, for the destruction for the destruction of fortresses. Okay, so mm. we have this divine weaponry that has been given to us. And this divine weaponry is the revelation of God, these truths of God, the knowledge of God. And it destroys these fortresses, which is, again, these ideas, these, you know, we, I said tsunami earlier, these forces, these things that press against us. And it says, we are destroying speculations in every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Mm. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And yep. so, you know, your, your, this podcast, Sam, your podcast is called Preach and Persuade. And so I Correct. suppose there's a part when I say exhortation and what you just got onto, and so some people listening to, I'm trying to persuade you. I actually am. I, I, I yeah. we would tell you that. I'm trying to persuade you that God's word is really clear on this, yep. and, there, and there's ramifications and serious consequences if we disobey God. And if you're listening to this, my guess is, or we've been hanging with this, you know, you really are thinking through what it means to be a man and a woman and maybe a husband and a wife, and... I'm telling you, like, like God has the blueprint for us. <laughs> it's incredible. He actually has the blueprint. But you're going to find out that that blueprint doesn't fit with the speculations, the fortresses, the ideologies of our day. Yep. You're going to find yourself against it. And, yep. and I say that as a, a man who's 60 years of age because, because you know, um, when we started our, uh, say, married life, okay, I've been married almost 40 years now, um, this tsunami was out there, but it wasn't the force that you guys are feeling now. Mm -hmm. I mean, lots and lots of women stayed home with their kids, and it was just like, didn't mean they didn't, you know, maybe have a part-time job when their kids went to school or something like that. But even that becomes a discussion. What are our kids being taught now? And there's this whole discussion of school and education and these ideologies that are being pumped into our kids' heads. And yep. uh, uh, it, was, it, was, it was radically different literally 30 and 40 years ago, 25 years ago. Yeah. It really was. And yeah. so, so anybody that's below the age of, you say, you know, 45, 40, I, I, I hope you know this, but there, there, there is an assault against you and your family. Mm -hmm. And it's in the realm of the mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, while mm -hmm. right, na right now it's not a rigorous, hard, totalitarian thing, uh, you know, call it a soft totalitarianism, it's real. It's real. And it has to do with ideologies and thoughts. And, it, and, and it's ramping up. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And we're watching it. And so as Sam and I are talking, you know, obviously we're in this, you know, transition of 20, 2020 to 2021, and we're in the middle of it right now. I mean, we're watching, oh, we're watching it unfold all around us. And it's not just some political, political sideline thing. It's, no, this has to do with ideologies that are mm. in this huge conflict with one another. And it'll, you know, and... And, and, and in the middle of that, God's complete control, so we trust him for that, but he speaks. And so if you claim the name of Christ today, God speaks on this stuff. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Okay. Wow. Well, that wraps up this episode. Again, thanks for listening. If you uh, are able, I would say, hey, subscribe on your podcast app and leave a rating preferably a good a good rating <laughs> but uh well, you know be honest <laughs> what happens if you, what happens if you get a bad rating well i don't know well they uh, maybe they'll ramp temper well, no, maybe, cry or but something but in today's world maybe you'll get ramped up because it's well, yeah well it's what you what you find when you look at ratings uh, honestly if you look at all these podcasts and you look yeah. at the ratings 
you'll find that the vast majority of them are like fives, like five out of five. But then the most, if, if you're going to have a, like one, two, three, four, or five, the next highest category is always one. Because especially in the realm of theological things, it's oh. either you lo- like, hey, you, you got it, you're listening, and you like it, and you see, yep, this is biblical, yep, boom, five, got it. Or you hated everything we said, you disagree with it, so what are you going to do? You're going to give us a one. Okay, whatever. <laughs> whatever. But the, apparently, I've been told this, that leaving a rating, especially a good rating, helps with discoverability. So it helps other people around the world. Because that, that's the cool thing about this. Like, if you're listening, you know, some of you listening are in different countries. Like, some of you are from India. <laughs> and I think, like, it's crazy. Like, there's people all over the world that can access this podcast by just searching some type of maybe a, they search a passage and what comes up is a number of podcasts or a number of podcast episodes and my you know this this one is one of them so a better rating and more people leaving a rating allows for this podcast to, to be read more easily found when when something is searched uh and so we want people around the world to be able to find this podcast if they're if they're searching this topic or the, these texts that we've been going through, man, we'd love for this to be discovered. So, uh, if you're able and willing, leave a, leave a rating. But you know, that just that's a wonderful gift that you that you could do. But if not, that's totally fine. <laughs> uh, so again, thanks for listening. Tune into the next episode as we continue. Uh, have a good day. Bye.